0: The Irish Times business podcast in association with Irish Life.
1: Eight of the top ten Irish companies choose to do business with us. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life.
0: Hello and welcome to the Irish Times Business Podcast Extra. This is Tuesday, September 27th. I'm Kieran Hancock. And on this show, I'll be interviewing yet more nominees from the EY Entrepreneur of the Year Awards, which will culminate in an awards night in the City West Hotel in October. We'll begin with my interviews with Leona and Sean McAllister of dairy based company Plotbox, who are nominated in the emerging category, and John Moore, founder of 3D4 Medical, who is listed for the International Award. Uh, But first, I should remind you that you can subscribe to this podcast for free on iTunes, and it's also available on our website, irishtimes.com. Forward slash podcast Later, I'll be speaking with Brenda Mooney, who heads digital services group Kynos and is nominated in the emerging category. But first, we'll start with Leona.
2: So hi, I'm Leona McAllister, and I'm the co-founder and uh, commercial director for Plotbox. So essentially, Plotbox is an operational tool for cemeteries and crematoria. And to put that into context, managing a cemetery is kind of like managing real estate. Cemetery managers need to know vital information about thousands of plots of land, like who owns it, who's buried in it, is the structure on top of it safe, for example. Um, And currently they manage that in a very disjointed way with uh, some paper records. In particular, their maps are usually paper and there's problems with the accuracies of cemetery maps. And essentially Plotbox brings everything into the one place for them in a software tool. And one thing that we're really good at is, uh, is mapping cemeteries. We can map cemeteries faster than anyone else in the world. Um, And we use drone
3: technology
4: to do that. Hi, uh, my name is John Moore. I'm the founder and CEO of 3D for Medical. Uh, 3D for Medical is the world's most successful developer of uh, medical applications for both desktop and mobile. We've uh, about 12 million users worldwide, and there probably isn't a university in the world that doesn't use our applications. So we kind of concentrate in two areas. The first area is uh, academic, and the second one is clinical. On the academic, we're kind of at the forefront of a revolution. Um, A revolution that we started, if you think about the way people learn anatomy or physiology or even pathology, uh, and that's across the board, whether you're a nurse, a a surgeon, uh, a physiotherapist, a doctor, uh, etc., anyone in that medical field, the way they learn right now is they use books that are probably about 100 years old and haven't changed for 100 years, and the way they learn hasn't changed. And uh, they're not really conducive to learning um, uh, medical concepts because they're flat. And if you think about what we're doing is we've created this 3D engine that renders in real time, and we've developed these 3D models that we developed over uh, a long period of time in collaboration with Stanford University. So we can actually zoom into a particular part of the body, turn it to any uh, any angle, rotate, cut, dissect, take out a structure, have a look at it, see the movement, see the physiology, and put it back in there. And that really is is so much more... Uh, conducive to learning uh, medical concepts.
0: Thanks, guys. Sean, uh, Sean McAllister of, of Plotbox, can I just ask you, I mean, uh, working in cemeteries it would send a, a chill up the spine of most people. How did you guys get involved in this business?
3: I suppose it started when we were running my surveying business. I got asked to do just a, a map for our local parish. Um, they were running out of space about to extend into the car park and uh, so I took on the job of beginning to survey it and um, because it was our local parish, I, I took photographs of the headstones and Leona was there uh, on maternity leave at the time and she had some spare time to help so she transcribed all the headstones we put all this into a, a simple spreadsheet and gave it back to the priest and he thought this is great but really it was during that process that we realized you know there's nothing in this industry that really lets them you know manage these properties well it's kind of maybe the old guy who the Graves or the, the local undertakers have the knowledge. So we set about trying to build something, that, a way to make it really transparent and easy to manage.
0: Okay, John, uh, maybe just the same question for yourself. I mean, your company was founded in 2004, a long time ago now, uh, it, it seems. Where did the idea originally come from?
4: Well, actually, we started off in the stock imagery domain. So what we did is uh, at the time, uh, uh, Jerry Keneally and Stockbites had done very, very well um, and just sold their company for 136 million. So uh, we were very motivated by... Uh, by, by making money, but w- we saw there was a, a gap in the market for really good quality medical images and animations um, but with with a little bit of a difference that we were going to use 3 d models to be able to make these images, so you could actually make a heart uh, photorealistic are stylized but without all the blood and gore that is normally associated with normal photography and we did really well in that particular area for the first five or six years Uh, we were in front of the Time magazine twice and National Geographic and Every month we were on hundreds of uh, magazines and, and book publishers and advertisements. Um, but then in about 2009, the advertising agencies, uh, you know, everything started to, the recession hit. We started to lose money for the first time. And, but we had created all these models, as I said, in, in collaboration with Stanford and, and also the Royal College of Surgeons at, at that time. And we knew that those assets, those models, were those 3D models were worth something. So at the time, the App Store was opening up for the iPhone. And we thought, well, well you know, we have these models. Why don't we put something together? And see if we can uh, uh, make an app for for teaching people, and it's really progressed from them. We have a really strong partnership with Apple, and over the years, um, you know, we've uh, we, we've we we sell iPads, and they promote us, and uh, we've pushed the boundaries of what we can actually do on the iPad and also on the desktop.
0: Yeah, when we spoke earlier, you you were saying you had something like fifteen million downloads, is that right?
4: Uh, we have about twenty million downloads. 20 so it's about twelve million users now. Yeah, so it's. It's quite successful,
0: Leona. Your business, obviously, people are never going to stop dying. That's the upside of your business. But um, I would have thought the trend was more towards uh, cremations, um, let's say, than burials. So, how does that affect your business? We deal with
2: cre- managing cremations as well, so so it doesn't really make a, a difference to us in a way. Um, we're our biggest market is in the US, where although cremation is on the rise, it's still there's still a lot of traditional burial. So really, whether it's for burial or cremation, we can manage that. Even after a body is cremated, quite often the family will want to memorialize. So they may get a, a, a cremated remains plot or a, a sort of niche in a, you know, in a wall, in a, in a garden um, to remember their loved ones. So there's still that kind of memorialization piece that's linked to a location, um, which we can include in our mapping.
0: Okay, let's put some numbers uh, behind your uh, businesses, guys. Sean, can you tell me, for example, uh, how many staff now with Plotbox, what kind of revenues uh, have you got, uh, profits, that type of thing?
3: Yeah, so we have, um, we're have. we based in Portland, our main headquarters, and uh, overall we've got 18 staff. And uh, we've got a small office out in Palo Alto, and we've just hired another person for the East Coast in Pittsburgh. And so our revenue to date is seven hundred thousand dollars this year so yeah it's it's been kind of really only we've really only been in the u.s market really selling plot box uh, i would say just less than a year so we're, we're seeing really a great interest in it and that we're solving lots of problems and we're Plan really high growth now for the uh, the rest of 2016.
0: Okay, John, tell us a little bit about uh, your company, the size, the uh, sure, we, we, Well, we're only really
4: just starting to monetize our our users right now. This year, we'll do about 6.1 million, maybe 6.2 million. Um, we Dollars. will be. Uh, uh, dollars. Sorry, dollars, yeah. Uh, There's not much difference now between the dollar and the mm, sure, euro. Yeah. We uh, plan very aggressively um, uh, at least 100%, 100% growth over the next three years. So we should be having somewhere around 41 uh, million in, uh, in three years' time. We've uh, just under 100 people right now, 45 people in Dublin, with big office in, uh, in Russia, also in Poland and also in the States.
0: Right, okay. And what's going to drive that growth, that 100% growth that you talked about?
4: Well, I, I think that people are, it's, it's really interesting because when we started this, we were kind of augmenting the, the books right now and there was a big resistance from the professors and the universities um, they didn 't want to change what they 've been doing for a hundred years, so we augmented it so we, in other words, that we infiltrated it through the students themselves, so they would use it with their books. But actually, our new technology, which has just come out in the last uh, six months we 've had incredible success we 're already probably about three hundred percent up on, on what we were. Uh, doing three months ago um, and we're infiltrating from the top down so the universities and the uh, the uh, professors are taking it on we already have a hundred pilot projects signed up in the top universities in the states in the last three months so it there's this critical mass going to this way of learning we actually firmly believe in the next three years and people will look back and they'll go how did anybody ever learn using these flat textbooks
0: yeah. And what about competition? Because it seems like such an obvious thing to do, and especially in this digital age that we're living in at the, at the moment. So uh, what's your competition?
4: Our main competition is the books. That's really it. We're trying to, that's the, that, that's the big thing. The, but the, that's the, the old technology. Yeah, absolutely. But that's really it. And we're changing that. There are, there is another company, but they're really uh, several years behind us. We're, we're really based on innovation. And every time they come out with something, we're already two years ahead. And, you know, that's, that's yeah. the way we.
0: Okay. Leona, um, there's a, a conversation as to whether entrepreneurs are made or born uh, what, what's your take on it?
2: Um, it's a good question because, to be honest with with myself and Sean, I would say that Sean would be more of a, a born entrepreneur, and and I would be be more of the the made one um, that's kind of fell into this. I don't know that I would have originally had the the kind of confidence or the risk taking uh, that natural risk taking that um, that Sean would have, and um, so. Together, I think it's uh, it's
0: definitely a good team. So I don't know. I'm on the fence with that one. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, John, uh, are, are you made or born as an entrepreneur?
2: I
4: think you're. Uh, it's a little bit of both. I think um, uh, that some people are are born and some people are made. And I think you can learn all the traits. Um, might take you a little bit longer, but yeah, I think
3: think entrepreneurs can be made.
0: Sean, can I just ask you about Brexit? The UK obviously is a is a key market for you. What impact, if any, is, is Brexit going to have on your business?
3: Um, so our business actually is. Uh, Headquartered in the U.S., so when Brexit took place, kind of all our assets and real money was in the U.S. So we instantly kind of benefited from buying back to the U.K. of having that uh, drop in the, say, the sterling for us to the to the dollar. But going forward, I'm not really sure how it's going to pan out for us as far as trading. You know, I think the U.K. is definitely one of the most for us. We're in the U.K. obviously one of the most conforming. Countries to Europe, and I just can't see them being as stringent on the deals that are going to have to be made because I know there's more trade agreements to be arranged in different industries. But uh, for us, anyway, our main focus is the US market. We're just hopeful that it just, you know, we can still maintain really getting our our, our employees over there the way we've been doing through the. you know, the immigration that's set up already. We'll just have to wait and see for what's really going get, to get ironed out because I don't think anybody really knows, but we're just anticipating we should be okay in the in the near future at
0: least i mean john you, your company is an irish company i'm sure you're very proud of that but your, mar- your main market is really the united states isn't it i mean th- is there is there a sufficient uh, sufficiently supportive environment here for entrepreneurs do you think
4: yeah i do well first of all it, it, you know we're lucky to global uh, market um and obviously we, we we've been very lucky to partner with apple so and where we, they they sell they, they they promote us so um Brexit really doesn't have a big hmm. impact on us because it's probably only about 5% of our sales, while well, the States is probably about 50%, and then we're in Japan and Australia and, and Germany, which is very strong too. Yeah, I think Ireland's a great place to do business, but I think you have to have, if you're going to be competing on the world stage and you're going to be like, we're, you know, we're up against innovative companies over in Silicon Valley. Um, so we really need to have our our, our ear to the ground and, f- and know exactly what's going on in those, co- those uh, companies and making sure that we're uh, embracing the newest technology and you know, right up to date and actually pushing the boundaries of what can be done.
0: Yeah. Apple's obviously an important partner uh, for you. There are some concerns that maybe they've plateaued a little bit in terms of their technology with the iPhone 7. You know, people aren't exactly welled by it. Uh, and so is that a concern for you? Is that a risk to your business?
4: Uh, no, I don't think so because they've got a couple of plans. Uh, obviously, healthcare. They're really going for that healthcare side of things. And, and uh, we're part of a MPP program, which is um, which they've, they've just brought out, which is... Um, it gives us access to 550 of their sales reps that go on to sell from enterprise to enterprise into healthcare organizations. So, you know, they're only, t- you know, scratching the, the the tip of the iceberg or uh, whatever whatever the scratching saying is. The surface, yeah. Yeah, exactly, scratching the surface. And uh, I think we're well-positioned to do very, very well with them. I think we're only just starting.
0: Right, okay. And is this something that's available on Android as well or will be down the road? Yeah, we
4: do have, uh, we're on Android as well. The, the problem with Android is, um, and I, you know, I don't want to be- belittle them, but, you know, people with Android don't like to pay. Um, that much uh, you know what we our, our applications are, are, are anywhere from you know uh, 25 bucks to 100 uh, bucks and, and uh, most of them are an average of
0: 100 bucks and, and Android guys don't like paying that sort of money yeah, right, Okay, um, Leona tell me where do you see your business in five years time
2: uh, I would like to see plot box in cemeteries and crematories all around the world um, as well as that we've. it's a multi-sided platform for us so whilst we are the operational tool to help the cemeteries manage what they need to do um, and do that more efficiently. We're also being able to turn out the deceased records that PlotBox holds out to the genealogy market, which opens up a whole new market into e-commerce for like flower deliveries and and um, sort of memorialising the loved ones, so that you see more than just looking at a, a headstone. So um, we've got lots in the technology roadmap, um, and that we can kind of layer onto the core engine that we've built. So. I see a very um, exciting a few years ahead for us.
0: And is this something, if those growth plans come to fruition, is this something um, that you see being acquired by a bigger player, perhaps, or uh, do you see yourself as an acquirer?
2: Absolutely, it could go either way. I'd say that we certainly could, um, in the next five years, um, be thinking of acquiring some other companies. Um, and ultimately, there's there's quite a lot of different industries, um, from whether it's a genealogy play or or a enterprise software there's a lot of companies that would be interested in the kind of data we're collecting them and the kind of company that we're growing to be.
0: John, what's your long-term plan for 3D4 Medical? I mean, do you still see yourself owning it in five, ten years' time? Will it be double, three times the size? Are you going to acquire, be acquired?
4: Yeah, well, for us, you know, we'll, we'll take every, uh, you know, as it comes, every step as it comes. We're really at the cutting edge. We're in the, we're in the front of a wave right now. Uh, We're doing a lot of work in um, VR and AR. Um, We we, we really firmly believe that uh, what we're actually already doing right now, people won't be using uh, textbooks in the future. Surgeons will be doing virtual operations on the models that we have. They'll be based on MRI scans, so the models that we've already created which are photorealistic will be able to morph to your MRI data and then the uh, surgeon will be actually be able to do that operation be able to see your body rotate your body zoom into you, you, in, into a section of your body with your abnormalities or whatever it may be and be able to do a virtual operation before it even touches you so you know we're only just starting we just see the future this could be just absolutely huge wow
0: leona and sean uh, whoever wants to take this uh, particular one but just finally what's your top tip uh, for budding entrepreneurs
3: I, I would just say like if you definitely have if you have the vision to do something i would just say go for it you know you have to listen to as many people along the way and really take what a level of expertise you have they have on to what suits your business but i would just say go for it and believe in yourself is number one and uh you know take as much advice on board but just you know keep doing what you believe because you started it for a reason you know you're the one that had the spark and sometimes it just takes you to keep driving that forward when especially times get hard that's when you're going to get tested
0: John, your top tip for budding entrepreneurs?
3: I I absolutely
4: agree with what Sean said there. I think it's, without sounding too much like Nike, just do it. I I really think that uh, just getting out there and doing it and learning as you go along um, and try to surround yourself with with, with clever people.
0: John Moore and Leona and Sean McAllister, thank you for joining us and good luck on the awards night.
1: At Irish Life, we can tell you that 49% of employees in Ireland don't think about tomorrow. They don't have a pension plan. We can help you help them. Because if you're involved in running your company's pension plan, we can administer it for you with our member-specific investment solutions, online access for employers, trustees and members, and always-on smartphone apps. Just call one of our corporate team on 01704 1845. Visit irishlifecorporatebusiness.ie or contact your pension consultant to find out how we can help your company think of tomorrow. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life
0: Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information sourced for Irish Life September 2014. That was Leona and Sean McAllister, a dairy-based company, Plotbox, and John Moore, founder of 3D4 Medical. Separately, I spoke with Brendan Mooney, who heads digital services group Kynos, and this is what he had to say.
1: My name is Brendan Mooney. I'm the CEO of Kynos Group PLC. We're a technology company headquartered in Belfast. We have 950 staff here in Ireland and across Europe and the US. So we do three things. Um, The first of those is to build digital platforms for governments and for uh, corporate clients. So, for instance, we built the new MOT system for England, Scotland and Wales, which is used in 23,000 different locations. It records 35 million MOT tests per year and is used by 67,000 mechanics. Uh, We also work with a large US company called Workday, and we deploy their talent management software in Europe for clients like Diageo, EasyJet and TravelX, and finally we have our own software uh, used in the healthcare system to remove paper from the care process. So it's used in 104 different English hospitals. It has three billion images under management and 28 million patients on the system.
0: Brendan, thank you for that a uh, very comprehensive little rundown on the company and some some very interesting uh, work that you do there. But maybe let's just talk a little bit about um, yourself because. You didn't actually found this company. This is a company that was set up in 1987 and you joined it a a couple of years later. And it's been through, uh, obviously, a a restructuring in terms of the ownership. Tell us a little bit about that and and how you came to lead the business.
1: I joined in 1989 as a software engineer. I joined from college and I worked in the business in a variety of roles over the next 10 years. And in 1999, I was asked to take over uh, the CEO role um, in 2001. Uh, In terms of uh, the business, yes, there has been a a bit of a change of ownership over those years. Uh, Originally, the business was set up by Queen's University Belfast and ICL, or Fujitsu, as they are known now. And uh, we had a venture capital company buy part of the company in 2000. And we had Fujitsu sell their shareholding in 2007. And the venture capital company sold their shareholding to staff in 2011.
0: And that's when you became a shareholder? I became
1: a shareholder in 2007.
0: Okay, And it's a public company as well, isn't it, it?
1: We listed the company in the London Stock Exchange last July.
0: And I guess there's a change of discipline when you become a, a public company um, from being a, a private company. What's that like? It
1: hasn't changed a lot. I mean, for us, we thought of ourselves as being quite a disciplined private company. We're now a quite a disciplined public company. The big thing I notice is we can't disclose financial information to, to uh, individuals anymore. We have to kind of tell the market all in one goes. So that's the only real change that I see. I spend more of my time... In London, talking to pension funds, that's a, a change for me, but it doesn't really change much in the business.
0: Yeah, okay. So you're not an entrepreneur in the strict sense. Um, let's say somebody who had an idea, maybe founded their own business and uh, and and took it from there. Which brings me to my point about whether there's always the question asked: Are entrepreneurs born or are, are they made? What's your view? And which category would you fit into? That's
1: a great question. I mean, I'm not sure I've got a great answer for it. I mean, to me, you know. Uh, uh, an entrepreneur is a business person who takes an idea and builds something from that. You know, Obviously, risk capital as part of that, looks for, for profit as part of that process. And that can be at any point in time in a company's history. So if you look at the company today, it's much different than it was in 1987 when it was set up. And, and it's gone through a couple of changes as we've seen opportunities not just here in, in Ireland but also internationally to get after some great opportunities. So I think that They're probably made rather than born.
0: How did the recession impact the business? And we have Brexit now as well. And that decision, which uh, I think has taken everybody by surprise. How might that impact your business? Well, I think
1: starting off with the kind of the recession back in 2009, 2010. I mean, for us, you know, being Irish focused and and having many big Irish banks and Irish insurance companies on our books, it was a a difficult time, Mm. Uh, unsettling time. We had six quarters of revenue decline, but we were, I say, well managed, so we were able to keep everybody employed and. Profitable, and then look for opportunities to grow, and that's what we did, and that's why, if you're the business today, that's why we've been successful. In terms of Brexit, I think it's too early to tell. We have a decision at the end of June. We've had two months of kind of parliamentary recess. We're now can't kind of get everybody's back to school, and, and uh, the Parliament's back in, in session. So I, I think we'll get a better view over the next period of time. I think it's probably not as bad as people thought. Certainly, the economy has not collapsed since the result at the end of June. Uh, but it's disappointing me you know, as a somebody who thinks of themselves as being a, a UK citizen, an Irish citizen, a global citizen, to see the UK decide to leave is disappointing.
0: So much of the economy in Northern Ireland, of course, is based around the government or public services. So it's quite a small private sector compared to, let's say, other markets. How difficult is it then for an, a company based in Northern Ireland to make its way, particularly on the international stage, given that kind of backdrop?
1: No, I, I think it's uh, Northern Ireland and Ireland has, has great assets. I mean, I think the, the people are... are the greatest among those i mean you've got lots of very skilled people with a great education system north and south and people who are very willing to to work hard and, and to travel and, and to be fun to work with which is important as well so i think that if you're able to attract great talent to an organization then you can do great things across the world
0: let's just talk about the business then you talked sure. about those uh, three components and when you talk about mot that's that's basically the british equivalent of the nct isn't that right that's right yes and uh, how big a part of your business is that
1: So in terms of digital services, it's probably about £55 million worth of business.
0: Right, okay. Out of a total of? Uh, 77. 77. So it's a very big, substantial part of the business. And it's very domestic, obviously.
1: Yeah, so we would have 220 clients across the business, and we have about 150 in the digital services part of our business.
0: Tell me about the other areas then. You were talking about um, doing work for the likes of Diageo and EasyJet. So we work with
1: a US company called Workday, and that's HR in the cloud, or HCM product and that allows global organisations to manage their talent pool so it's the boring stuff like how do they get paid and how do they book their vacation time and their, report their sickness absence but the really interesting stuff in that platform is about how you develop talent so how do you make sure that you're training somebody at the right time that they can utilise those skills after they come off the training programme because you assign them to the right role that they can develop it so I, I find that very intriguing both in terms of being a partner to Workday but also how we use that software internally ourselves to develop the talent of our own staff
0: Right and the third leg Third leg
1: in healthcare, um, which is, again, it's a really interesting business to be in. It's uh, slightly challenging in the UK because there's a lack of funding in the marketplace at the moment because most IT projects are co-funded by government as well as by the hospital trust themselves. Uh, but you're working with some really dedicated healthcare professionals who are looking to you know, get rid of paper from the, the healthcare process to focus on the patient and, and giving them great outcomes as opposed to trying to fill out forms or finding forms mm. on, their, on their desk
0: it's quite diversified isn't it i mean they're three very separate uh, entities if you like um that you're working on which is slightly unusual i would have thought for a, a public company these days
1: well I, I quite like the diversity i mean uh the reality is that business does not move in straight lines and um, which noise you might want to put that on your little growth charts so for us you know we see parts of our business surge ahead parts of it be quieter kind of year to year so um you know, right now, I'm, I'm very pleased that we have a, a diverse kind of geographic, sectoral and, and product focus. Yeah.
0: And where's the growth? Because I, I know that you've had compound growth at 33% in each of the past four years. But where 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 is that growth uh, coming from? What's the growth opportunity for the company, let's say, over the next five years? So
1: the growth opportunity is across all three parts of the business. That's why we're, we're excited by all three of them. Um, you know, we've doubled the business in size over the last three years, we believe we can do the same again over the next three. So it's a particularly exciting time to be part of, of the company.
0: And in terms of ownership, always oh, see yourself as a public company or, or do you think at some point, maybe some bigger rival, maybe an international company comes knocking on your door and might might look at a, a takeover?
1: It's for those big companies to come knocking on mm-hmm. our doors. I mean, I, I guess whenever we decide to list the company on the stock exchange, we were thinking about over the next 10 and 15 years. Uh, I guess we're probably driven by the fact that we don't want to be part of something else you know there's no reason why a irish company can't be a global it player you know there's no law which says they have to be you know headquartered in the west coast of the us or the east coast of the us or uh, in france or germany or india or uh, in, in japan so you know, why not have a global it services business based in ireland
0: just in terms of brexit i mean does that change the dynamic for you at all as a public company and where you're based or Do you think you can continue to be based uh, in Northern Ireland and continue to have that kind of growth as well? I I think that in
1: terms of our immediate reaction is one of caution in that it's a monumental decision and we don't know what that might mean in the future. The early indications from all our customers are that nothing has changed and what we're doing for them is critical and they want to keep going possibly slightly faster for some of our government clients because they want to be done before Brexit begins to uh, impact their their business.
0: Maybe been CEO since 2001. You've been with the company nearly 30 years. I mean, how do you stay fresh in the job? How do you, <laughs> how do you ensure that uh, you know things don't go stale? Uh, how do you keep your retain your enthusiasm for the role?
1: Well, I mean, we've got I mean some fantastic colleagues in the business. You know, so you look at the age profile of our business. So a quarter of our workforce is 25 or under. A quarter is aged 26 to 30, and a quarter is aged. Uh, 31 335. So that's a, a very dynamic, very vibrant community all by itself. And there's a, a quarter like myself who are over, over 35. So I find it very easy. You know, They're full of enthusiasm and uh, ambition, so it's just a matter of, of staying close to those guys.
0: And is it a case that, have you got a succession plan? Is that something uh, the company thinks about? I mean, you know, touch wood, I'm touching the table here now, listeners. Um, uh, but if you were to walk in front of a bus, uh, hopefully this doesn't happen, but if you were to walk in front of a bus, uh, is there somebody to step into your shoes? Is that something that uh, a PLC such as yourself thinks about?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny, it's the scenario everybody talks about is what happens if you get hit by a bus bus. Um, very conscious about staying away from,
0: from buses. And, and given gender- that you don't drive, this is a... <laughs> <laughs> or at least you can drive, but you don't have a car. This is something that might actually happen to Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, so absolutely, succession is really important. Private or public, I think that you always have to have a plan what, what happens if somebody's not uh, available for a prolonged period of time. That can happen through ill Health, um, as well as they being hit by the bus. So we have a, an active succession plan, uh, not just for myself, but across the entire leadership team in the company. And we look to
0: develop people who join uh, into those roles. I have to get you to explain to listeners, you must be the only CEO that I know who can drive but doesn't have a car uh, and goes everywhere on the bus <laughs> <laughs> or the train. Yeah. Tell us tell us about that. How does that work?
1: Last year I had a car, was 2011, and I drove 2,500 miles in a full year, including down to a funeral in Castletown, Bearhaven, uh, which was 800-odd miles one trip. So I thought I could do without the car and see how that happened. But it's also, I guess, financial constraints. We, we had um, bought out... Some of the original shareholders, two thousand and seven, and by two thousand and eleven, you're still back in the global financial crisis. You had a choice of either pay the mortgage or pay for the car loan, so the car was sacrificed as part of that.
0: Brendan, if there was one thing that the government, the UK government, let's say, could do uh, for your your company (laughs) or the Northern Ireland (laughs) Assembly, whichever uh, whichever it is, um, what what would it be? I mean, to help entrepreneurs, um, what what could government do to really help entrepreneurs going forward?
1: I mean, tongue in cheek, it'd be great to see the Brexit result reversed, um, but that's not going to happen and I think it would be inappropriate. Well, maybe it
0: could, you never know. I think actually
1: I I wouldn't be looking for any kind of government change. I I think that entrepreneurs succeed because they see see ways round obstacles and I think that there's no real big obstacles that we see in terms of legislation. There's stuff that's inconvenient and burdensome and and all the rest, but it's
0: nothing that can stop you being a great business. Is it more difficult to be an entrepreneur in, in Northern Ireland, do you think, than other parts of the world? Let's say the republic or mainland britain or america uh, etc because the public sector because government is so dominant in the economy
1: i don't know if that's the case i think that certainly there are different parts of the world where it's easier to do business so it's easier to do business in the us it is easier to do business in the uk than perhaps some other european states but that's a function of the the buyers and their buyer behavior rather than, than by government but i don't see any constraint about being an entrepreneur from from northern ireland Okay, now finally, your top tip for budding entrepreneurs, what would it be? Oh gosh, um, I think perseverance. I, mean, I think that the rally is that you will come up with ideas and some people will say it'll never happen and it may well be that they're right. But unless you try really hard, you never know if they're right or you're right.
0: And you were saying to me earlier, there is a fine line between confidence and complacence. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's something they need to be uh, mindful of.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's... Not just budding entrepreneurs, but, you know, every business has to be conscious that the market they're in today can change. It can change quite dramatically. And, you know, we've all seen case studies for Nokia and Kodak and how they've kind of gone from being leading lights to being uh, out of business in the case of Kodak. So I think that that's true for absolutely every organization.
0: OK, that's it for this week from the Irish Times Business Podcast Extra. We'll be back with our regular show on Wednesday when we'll be looking at issues facing the Irish tourism industry. My thanks to Leona and Sean McAllister, John Moore and Brenda Mooney. Declan Conlon produced the show with Rob O'Sullivan as sound engineer. Don't forget you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today, email at irishtimes.com. You can also follow the Irish Times Business Feed on Twitter and Facebook. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.